Hello, and welcome to another episode of Remain Seated, Please. Wrong. I'm David. Wrong podcast. What? <laughs> Wrong podcast. Oh, I thought of doing that this morning, and I was so proud of myself. No, it's not Remain Seated, Please. It's this podcast. I'll say the name later, because there's a whole intro. So this is <laughs> going to be uh, Susie's first time even listening to this podcast. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you should call me out the that podcast. way. <laughs> Why do you have to call me out that this way? Is, this is my wife, Susie. Hello, Susie. Hi. Say hello, everyone. Uh, so, yeah, Justin and I still... You didn't say hello, everyone. Uh, sorry, hello, everyone. Sorry, I did speak over you a little bit. Um, I'm just so excited. I'm so excited to be back on the, the pod, sort of. But Justin's not here, um, mostly because uh, I'm trying to help you wrangle our children, because uh, we have a new one. Um, you do. Yeah. And you, you just don't listen to podcasts in general. I don't. I'm very... Uh, today on Sadie Hawkins' pod, the, the Reliant K podcast, Danny and Jess, who I always are talking about with you and you've never even met yet, congratulated me, but us, okay. on the baby. Right. That yeah. baby you had. Well, they don't know you. <laughs> well, because uh, only the last few episodes of Jimmy Pod have been missing me. Because Justin and I banked sure. up so many. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, they they wish us hello and, uh, and a happy baby. Um, he is a baby. <laughs> I was like, where are we going he, with this? He, oh, yes. He is he is a baby. You're right. We did birth a baby. We did. Um and you know what? Uh he is our second baby. Yes. Um so our first baby, we obviously we made the remain seated please joke. I uh uh, uh currently are, we are on hiatus of our Disney Parks podcast Remain Seated Please. Um but so be- Jeez. So because of that, Susie's just getting back into the swing of podcasting. Um, Because of that, uh, we are big Disneyland fans and Disney Parks fans. So uh, obviously our kids are growing up going to Disney Parks. um, And uh, one of my proudest moments of like being uh this is not the proudest moment of being a dad but it was a a clever (laughs) moment on our being parents was uh uh, right before our first uh wesley turned three we decided to take him to walt disney world and do you remember why because we didn't have to pay for him yet (laughs) because we told him you are free (laughs) this is jimmy (laughs) pod This is the type of show. I can't. This is the show. I can't with you. I just. Um, I've, I've declined. My, well, here's, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Here's here's the thing: is this is about as oh my much. God. Yeah, but I was like, no wonder people leave you horrible reviews about how this isn't about Jimmy World at all. <laughs> no, we've mentioned Jimmy World. I think that was probably the first time we mentioned Jimmy World on the show already. And we're what? Oh, only five minutes in. That's not bad. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, imagine I did, forgot to hit record and I had to tell you that joke a second time. <laughs> Um, it wouldn't have landed. It wouldn't have landed the way it did the first yeah. time. Um, 
so uh, I was going to say that's about as much levity as I think we can have on the show because, man, is this a gut punch of a song. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I guess I, when I think about a lot of their other songs, I guess I wouldn't, I don't know. I, I, it's interesting that you say it that way. I I don't find it to be, I mean, it's a deep song, I guess. Right. Is that, that's what you're going with it. mm -hmm. But, um, I don't know that it's the heavier or the, one of the heaviest that I, when I think of Jimmy songs. Sure. Um, I think mostly because. I'm not a lyrics guy and like Justin sort of takes the mantle on that. And I sort of see things um, about as a uh, uh, surface level as you possibly can. Um, but uh, I listened to the song maybe 50 times today, Okay, <laughs> uh, mostly in the background at work. So I was not paying attention on the drive home though. I was like, okay, I need to listen to the words. I need to like take it in for what it is. And I had so many thoughts about what this song could be about. Because it's like one of those things where like, I know most of the words and all that stuff, but I'm not thinking about what they mean. So do you know what it's about? Well, I have my theories and then I have from the man himself what Jim. he has yeah. said that it's about. So um, how about you tell me what your interpretation is and then I'll ruin it and then with my interpretation, maybe. Got it. I was going to say, because we'll I know Jim's. About... Oh, you do. Okay, yeah. great. So, why don't... Uh, okay, well, here's what I looked into before I read... Because I pulled the quotes, um, and I sent you my show notes before the show, um, which included his quote on it, but I didn't read those until I put our son to bed. <laughs> so, I was reading the song, and I took it as a relationship... That and it, and it is sort of what that is. It's a relationship coming to terms with the end of a relationship and being able to take that next step. Now, on a very surface level, that is, mm -hmm. according to Jim, what? Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> uh, according to Jim Atkins. Um, <laughs> Are you talking about the show? Yeah. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> um, uh, what the song is about. But I was thinking, obviously, again, this is me surface levelly. Um, thinking about it as a uh, uh, as a romantic relationship, right? Um, and this is not not uh, according to him, right? Um, and what's funny is he, I feel like all the sound bites for surviving are about him uh, stopping drinking and quitting alcohol, but he had come out how long ago talking about? Uh, I think he gave the quote to Kerrang. Um, let me see if I can pull it up. Uh, this is about how the solution to an issue is usually a very simple one, but it's uncomfortable and the emotional infrastructure we'll build to go around facing that is 10 times more effort than it would take to actually step one step across what's uncomfortable. It happens all the time. And then he goes on to say, quitting drinking was one of those things for me. Just thinking that it could, uh, you can solve the problem on your own and then realizing, no, you can't for a long time. And then finally giving into that saying, okay, well, I probably shouldn't drink. Once I made the decision that I shouldn't anymore, then it was easy. But it was really difficult when I was trying to get <clears throat> control, uh, when I was trying to control it on my own, as opposed to just saying drinking is not on the table anymore. So, uh, yeah, it's about his relationship with drinking. Um, before you read that quote, mm -hmm. was that the quote that you were referring to? 
Before I read that quote, was yeah. that the quote I was referring to? No, no, no. Sorry. No, Before so, was that the quote you were referring to when you said you knew what the song was? About? Yeah. yeah okay. Yes. Yeah. That interview where he references kind of what the song is generally about, and I think kind of what he the situation he most related maybe to that Um, because I don't I guess I didn't interpret it as that was the direct inspiration for it it was just sort of an example Mm -hmm. like i.e. this is how it related to me but like either way it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. um interestingly enough I never viewed it as a relationship song Mm -hmm. um even though um, I mean, I guess going so going back to to because um, we didn't really talk about this, and I don't know if this matters, but like I've like I would constitute or I would classify Jimmy Eat World as my favorite band, and um, I know you asked me the other day like when I guess that started, and I I can't really pinpoint it um, other than I'm sure you know the middle came out and I was all about it and really liked Bleed American. And from there, after listening to that album so many times, I started to look into their other stuff. So the older stuff and then anything that had come out after that, I was always interested in. Um, And then I saw them first for the first time at, um, was it Pop Disaster? Yeah, that makes sense. That would have been 2000. Um, One, right? I think Pop Disaster was 2000. In that in that range. Yeah. Anyway, that's when I first saw them um, live, and I really liked them. And I think... Like I said, 2002. <laughs> <laughs> so we were both wrong. Cool. Um, does this make sense? Like, you can plug things around. No, if- there's no editing on this show like there is on Remain oh. Seated, please. This is how it's going. But oh, I like that no. you segued it into your oh. relationship with the band. First time you saw them was on Pop Disaster Tour. So, yeah. So, anyway, I've, I've, if you will, people say this a lot about bands, right? I fell in love with them at that point, or they very much became one of my favorite bands um, just over, the, over that time. And um, I... I like just love listening to Jim's voice, um, specifically live, um, but in general. And just as a band, they just make me feel all kinds of things um, all the time. And so <clears throat> I guess they are an emo band, right? Like that's Jimmy World's an emo band. Yes. And so you kind of always assume, <laughs> you kind of always assume the songs are about relationships, but I don't know for me, this one. So I think that's, so I feel like I'm going all, this is now I have all this pressure because you're not going to edit. There's no pressure. This is, it's free flowing conversation. So you talk about Jim's voice. I could bring that back to the song for a minute. We can go back to your relationship with the band. Well, I just didn't know if it would make sense if I was just like talking about this band. Like, I feel like we have to start over. No, we don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I guess for me the thing is is I didn't I just didn't see the song ever really about a relationship. I think this song spoke to me at a time in my life um where I felt trapped I trapped by an emotion um that was sad and was not of my choice. Like there was nothing it was not something I chose to do or I was had to give up. Um so this song spoke to me in a completely different way at the time. So it had nothing to do with relationships really at all. It was kind of um, 
or I guess maybe it was about a relationship, but it was a relationship with like myself. Mm -hmm. Um, because when I did listen to the lyrics, cause I would, uh, I started listening to a lot of the songs on integrity blues on these walks that I would start to go with. And all I could hear is the lyrics. That's, I mean, obviously not truly, but they very much stood out to me and spoke to me and, and, and jumped out at me, if you will. So, <clears throat> um, the relationship with myself and how what I interpreted as was how we kind of get in our own way, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, once I read his kind of explanation of it, it makes sense. And again, it's a general, right? But most Jimmy World songs tend to very, I'm going to say obviously, but it's not to say that it is ever always about uh uh, romantic relationship but this one definitely did not uh seem to me to be that way at all so so yeah so i don't know so it, i mean it was pretty i guess self-explanatory but i i took it again um the the lyrics uh you are free as speaking to me from a kind of a comp completely different place because like i said um what I was trying to overcome was not something that I had a, a real choice in. It was yeah. losing somebody and kind of the emotions that you get stuck in because maybe you don't know how to process them or you're, um, you know, trying to rush through them or whatever the case is. Um, so for me, it was, for lack of a better word, when I was listening to the song and it just literally almost jumped out at me because I'd heard it before, but I obviously had not been in the situation um, for it to speak to me the way that it did. So anyway, I connected with the song on a very different level at the time because I was going through this thing and then I just started to appreciate the song as a whole. And then again, yeah, I was like, okay, cool. It's about like any relationship and just how mm -hmm. we just really get in our, or maybe not even a relationship, any choice we get in our way. We can absolutely make things way more difficult um, than they need to be. And I definitely am guilty of that. So and I think for, sorry, for me, it just really spoke to me. And do you feel like the chorus is what grabbed you first and made you find, is kind of see the light at the end of that tunnel after a while? Um, yeah. I mean, it very much was, um, I just, I don't know, it's weird because like I very distinctly remember being on this walk and just kind of listening to my music and oddly, and I mean, I maybe not oddly enough, but um, over the course of years, um, and this is why I think they are one of my, well, if you will, my favorite band, um, they always seem to, some song always seems to speak to me and jump out at me. Uh, that never had before or that I never really thought of. Like, I didn't go out of my way to go put that song on. It just came on and hit me, and then I couldn't stop listening to it for a while. Um, and, it, yeah, it was definitely kind of the, I mean, the literal words, like, you are free. It was like, oh. It was like somebody was giving me permission. Like, Jim was like, oh, you're, it's fine. Right. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thanks, Jim. Yeah. Well, and that's, uh, that was why we moved this song into this spot. When we started the show, actually, when we were brainstorming the show was when the song, I feel like, first hit you. And so we were like, okay, well, we should have, because, uh, um, Lindsay, Justin's wife, mm -hmm. and you are also huge Jimmy World fans. We were like, we should have the girls uh, on the show. 
Um, and I knew that I, at the time, you had sort of discovered the song and it was helping you. Um, and I was like, okay, we should have her on for that show. And I felt like it was a good time when we were sort of welcoming a new life into the world and we had a lot of alone time and we had all this time together that it was a good time to have you finally on the show. So anyway, thank you for coming on. <laughs> <laughs> um, in all of that, did you happen to read through the lyrics at all? Do you want to? Oh, yeah. Deep dive? I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, uh, there's a lot of really great lines, I think, for Jim in here. And it's funny, I guess, because I'm not a lyrics guy. I feel like usually the music yeah. This is so obvious. Um, the music usually can be the emotion of the song without having to listen to the words. Totally. I feel like. Um, so reading along to the lyrics is almost, to me, like hearing the song again. However, reviewers seem to hear it completely oppositely. They they don't even seem to... Maybe they can take it in simultaneously. I just can't don't have the brain space for that. So it was like rediscovering the song for me today, reading through the lyrics. Um, a couple of my favorite places were other people's favorites, which is amazing the emotional bridges, tunnels, roads, and ways we go around what's one step from our face mm-hmm. is such a great line and is a really clever way, somebody else had put it, to put a complex idea into an everyday situation. Si- exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, And to come out at the end of that to say, I see it clearly now. And that's sort of like, I'm back on the show, so I'm going to talk about Blink. Um, but I'm not talking about Blink. I'm talking about Plus 44. <laughs> it's a, it's sort of like um, in on the Plus 44 record when Mark says, the past is only the future with the lights on. It's a very similar uh-huh. sort of idea. Well, it's not. I mean, yeah. It wasn't his idea. No, but it's a, it's a similar <laughs> theme. It's a similar theme. Okay. Um, and the other piece I love is the end of the second verse. The ends of these verses hit so hard. And I think the end of the second verse, like if I were to get a line tattooed on me, it might be this, um, which is, uh, he says, wish there was an easy way through, wish there was a way to learn it all and have my bright new shiny tools without the cost attached. I think we've paid enough. I think we paid enough carries so much weight from the verse in front of it. That that line alone, I feel like, could be a tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> because he lists all these things that he wish he could get without paying this heavy cost of whatever it is. Yeah, giving we're going up through the emotions. Making the difficult decisions. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and saying, I think we paid enough. It was already hard. Why do I have to do this one last really hard thing? Yeah. Well, I think we also are like... I know I'm really hard on myself internally, maybe not visible to other people around me. Um, But if I like if I know I'm avoiding something or I mean, it's I mean, yeah, if I don't deal with something and or and, and or I've put something off for as long as I have and then I finally do it and then I realize, oh, my God, like, why did I keep putting that off? <clears throat> Which really is probably most every situation. We just, again, we stand in our own way and we, instead of allowing, kind of taking the short way to it, we don't, we just don't. Um, And so for me, like I, sometimes I'll 
beat myself up for not doing it sooner or procrastinating or like guilt myself into like, God, why didn't you do that sooner? Or why didn't you, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Um, <clears throat> so I think we can be really hard on ourselves. So even like for me that you're right, that line is so like, I don't know, deep. Um, yeah. And it, it sucks because sometimes we just need to like be kinder to ourselves kind of, yeah. if that, if that makes any sense. I have another bite from Jim. So I, I always pull these links of things that I want to reference. Mm-hmm. And then I don't sometimes look at them. Mm-hmm. So now I'm looking at it. And he goes on to say sort of more of what you're saying. And then if we could, in Jim's words, uh, you look at a song like You Are Free or most of the songs on the record uh, in two perspectives. The door is closed or there are a cosmic number of doors that have opened. What is the more sustaining way to view your situation? Really? Shit's fucked? That's an option for you? Come on. That's not a real option. It's amazing how you'll psych yourself out that way. That's what Jim's, uh, mm-hmm. that there's there's this sort of like double-edged sword. It's a glass yeah. half full, gla- glass half sure. empty uh, situation. Um, but yeah, I think that you, you're giving me these eyes. No, like. so sorry. I was just looking at you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay. Um Yes. You're checking out my notes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just... Um, so, uh, we didn't talk about the record all that much. This no. is actually the first Integrity Blues uh, song we've mm-hmm. done on the podcast. Um, okay. Overall, you like the record, yes? I do. And, again, it's one of those things where... So, again, I, I love them so much. I just genuinely... It's feel-good music. It's It's... You know how people say... Country music is great because it's like just telling a story and it's like truthful. Mm. That's kind of how I see Jimmy E World, but not country, obviously. Right. <laughs> um, I don't know. And while yes, they are, they talk a lot about like relationships and things like that. I don't feel that it's vapid. Like they're not like an emo band in that sense. So anyway, I'm not sure why I kind of went in that way, but or with that in that direction. But so for me, I guess what I'm, this is where I was going. It takes, and you know this, it takes me time to warm up to stuff, even if it is my favorite band. So I know that when this record came out, I mean, I listened to it, but I don't think that I necessarily connected to anything right away. So, um, so yeah, so it was interesting because it wasn't until a little bit after, and I feel like this has happened um, a couple times with some of these albums that I really start to, it, it just takes time like they it, and I won't even say like it grows on you. I just the reason why I like Jimmy World as much as I do is I I just always feel that somehow I find some type of, for lack of a better word, like healing or like something that makes me that speaks to me and it speaks to me in that moment. And then that's when I connect and that's when I would like, like grasp at that song. And you know me, I'll listen to it over and over and over again. And, um, and yeah. And so that kind of happened not only, so I think it was actually get right Mm -hmm. on this um, record that I was like getting really into for whatever reason. And I think, again, I think that's how I, I just let it play through and that's how I discovered um, you are free, but there is really just a good chunk of songs on this album. Um, so I would dare say that at least right now or, you know, kind of recently and, and I say recently it's been almost over the last year or so it's been one of the ones that I've gone back to a lot. 
um, and played a lot just because there's there's a, a, a really good amount of songs. I feel like the latter half of the album, I'm like into a little more. Mm. Like the whole thing, most of the songs are great, but for some reason, I don't know, the latter half of this really speaks to you album yeah. and this falls within that this is track number seven yeah. of 11 mm-hmm. um like i could listen to get right and right all. <laughs> and be fine but i listen i almost do listen to it that way all the time like when i go to this album i very rarely play it from the front mm-hmm. or from the first track i'll usually start at get right and then just let it go it's funny um uh, the producer on this record, his name's Justin Meldel Johnson. We've seen him at a couple shows, and I always like, oh, that's the guy that produced the record. Uh-huh. Um, he also produced uh, Paramore's self-titled record, which okay. was like when they really kind of took a left turn, and then they did that song that I was like, I know the song is going to blow up. Yeah. Um, that like not R and B song. Yeah, it's like basically that. a New Jack Swing song. Yeah. Um, and uh, and he also did that M eighty three record that mm. really really blew up. Um, anyway, he's really become like one of the seminal record producers and he has like this great background. He's a session, not a session bassist, but he plays with Nine Inch Nails all the way to he just played at the Oscars. Uh, he played bass for uh, remember I was pointing him out uh, with Elton yeah, John. I was it. like, oh, hey, that's the guy that produced Jimmy uh-huh. World's record and he produced Surviving as well. Um, so he has this whole vibe about him. Uh, at least not that I get that I gather from his records that have this more um, I want to say ethereal, but more like moody uh, mm-hmm. vibe to them. Um, and uh, uh, I was very excited that they worked with him uh, and that they've stayed working with him. It's really fun when you see bands that sort of mesh Build a relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing about Justin Meldel Johnson is he has laid down all of these extra textures to Jimmy World songs to sort of elevate them. Now, they were working with Mark Trombino on Clarity and uh, Bleed American and then went back to him on Invented, I want to say. And he is a prolific, amazing record producer, not really working all that much anymore. He's doing Donut Friend in downtown and in Eagle Rock now. Um, he's the guy that, that runs that place. Okay. And Jimmy Eat World has Jimmy Eat Swirl. It's a it's a, a cinnamon roll How that you can you get there. How come you brought this home to me? I think I did once, and I don't think it clicked. Because <laughs> oh I got, I remember I got <laughs> Poppy Gandhi, which is the poppy seed. Oh, muff, okay, uh, this sounds familiar. Yeah, and then I got... Uh, um, I don't think you brought that home for me. Yeah, I did. No, I don't think so. I got Jimmy Eat Swirl. I don't think I'll pick did. it up tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, so uh, so after Mark Trombino and having that relationship for so long, it's exciting to see them go back into this new well of textures. Specifically on this song, Justin Meldel Johnson pr- programmed the piano parts that are mm-hmm. uh, right into the pre-chorus. Um, and I really like that bit of it. And, you know, also I also read, and I don't know if this was Justin's choice or Zach's choice, but uh, Zach did an interview on Chorus FM um, about the drums on this record. And specifically on this song in the chorus and on the bridge, he uh, he plays a lot on the toms, the the lower. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says he added a tom to his kit for this record. record. Um, and you can actually see a drum cam video of him playing this. I thought it was going to be at that Roxy show we went to. Remember we went and saw the show at the Roxy. Um, 
on my birthday right after the record came out because the record came out October 21st. Mm-hmm. So then we went to have sushi on the 23rd and then we went and saw Jimmy Eat World at the Roxy and that was a great oh, yeah, show. Yeah. And they had the street lights. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We saw them a couple times that year. It was funny. We saw mm-hmm. them with those street lights at the Roxy where like I feel like they had to cut them down short. And then we saw them at the Forum for Acoustic Christmas and they yeah. had the, and they had the street lights and stuff. Uh, let me look up this drum cam video. Um, you are free drum cam. So people have to listen to this? Yeah. Mm. This so, is good. So sorry. <laughs> so, so sorry. Here we are. But you can see him. So he's got two ride toms instead of a single. interesting content for people who are listening this is. to us. But you can hear him playing it live. Really grooving. Him and Travis Barker, the reason our son wants to play drums. That's right. I mean, it's mainly because this is literally what we make him listen to. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the stage is so small. Um, I thought it was at the Roxy, but where is this show? This is Zach posted this to his own. This is in Hamburg, Germany. So also probably playing really (laughs) small show. (laughs) The Roxy in well, Hamburg, Germany. I, I think the Roxy was a particularly small show for LA. And when bands, though, when they go and play in Europe, A, European cities aren't nearly as large sure. as the city of Los Angeles. And the venues are smaller um, because the audience are small. Audiences are smaller. Thank you for um, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, those are the, those are the little things they, they've been working with RCA records for a while. Um, I did come across an interview and I'm going to have to play it, um, on another show, probably when we do a bleed American track, um, because it was theorized by me in the preview episode that we did. And I finally found Jim talking about it specifically, but yes, essentially they record their records on their own dime. They own the masters and then they essentially sell the record to the highest bidder slash not highest bidder. The way that they do it is they go with the team that they want to work with on that record. Yeah. RCA has been a collaborator for the last few records, which is nice for them. Um, RCA really Jimmy world could care less. They're going <laughs> to. Yeah. I mean, care less, but yeah. Yeah. Um, they're just such a unique, um, rock band. They're like almost the anti-rock band, but not, I don't know. My, we've talked about, I think that's a good way to put time. it. And I think Jim would characterize it that way. Yeah. He, he, but it's funny hearing him talk to other bands especially emo bands and you had mentioned it a couple times i think uh when even you and i when we speak about emo bands we speak almost colloquially like we think of like dashboard confessional or like uh taking back sunday and stuff like that like hyper emo Um, there's this other guy there's this (laughs) there's this guy named tom mullen who's our age who was more into bands like rights of spring and this will be interesting to you um uh the promise ring is a band Whose oh bass God. player, <laughs> whose bass player, <laughs> to the name of the band? Or what? Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, the Promise Ring, uh, uh, Davey Von Bolen from The Promise Ring sings on a praise chorus. Okay. He sings the Crimson and Closer over and over uh-huh. our house okay. in the middle of the street. He sings that part. 
the bass player, one of the bass players, the promise ring now plays bass in dashboard confessional. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there is crossover, but anyway, there's this guy, Tom Mullen, he's our age and he was more into those post hardcore bands who did get categorized as emo before dashboard before Mm -hmm. these type of bands. And I would say that Jimmy world hits both Jimmy world can sing about, uh, your standard love pop song. However, if you listen to their older records, um, they do, they are the quintessential emo band. And again, Tom Mullen is more of an authority on what exactly that is. And I'm still learning what that is. Mm-hmm. I kind of categorize it in sort of like this, um, twinkly guitar, but also heavy, um, parts N- more the twinkly guitar that's in this song than uh uh we we sort of talk about it in an earlier episode uh like shoegazy mm-hmm. um and justin actually described shoegaze a little better than i've ever thought about it is uh shoegaze is that wall of sound that you kind of hear at the beginning of the track here take a listen like that guitar right there that's mm-hmm. sort of just filling yeah. up the air So they call it shoegaze, according to Justin, a couple episodes ago, is because the bands in the 80s and 90s would have so many guitar pedals that they would be more focused on hitting all the different things Uh to make a sound like that, a wall of sound that sounds more like that, this ethereal Mm -hmm. type of of sound, than jump around on stage and do those types of things. So while Jimmy Eat World isn't, a stand around and do nothing type of band that sound is more of a shoegaze type sound. And I think that's more the quintessential emo thing. Sure. Um, mostly what I was getting at is that they sort of cross over those things. Yeah. Um, since I have this up, this is how they launched the song. You are free on, uh, well, they at least posted this lyric video on October 14th. So this was a week before the record came out. I could not for the life of me find where this footage is from obviously it's nasa footage but i was like i was gonna come with all this research i did and say this is actually this is the very first spacewalk i don't know if it is i couldn't find it i couldn't source it i couldn't find who worked on it i really really wanted to call us yeah yeah 484 j eat pod (laughs) um uh but it is really cool um i love the standard helvetica font um I think it's a really interesting um, uh, lyric video, mostly because it's got great visuals, NASA visuals. So I just figured they would probably tell us like they had to license it, I'm assuming. Maybe it's in the public domain. I think every lyric video. Do you work for NASA? (laughs) 484JEPOD. Should be um, of Jim putting people. Every lyric video should be them putting Jim in some crazy makeup. (laughs) <laughs> like the 555 video. <laughs> and then doing weird things. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, let's move on to... Uh, oh, I did have a note about that wall of sound thing. There were a couple Jimmy Eat World songs I already felt like sounded like this. So I loaded up a playlist today and just kept skipping to find the ones that it reminded me of. It reminds me a little bit the beginning of the song because the wall of sound comes in and then the 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 drums come in but they're like like 
they have an effect on them before the bass and the drums come in full volume and full force. Mm -hmm. They like are like, I want to say gated, but it's not gated. Um, It's just like has an effect on it. Anyway, hear you me. It sort of reminds Mm -hmm. me of a little bit. And then firefight. um, If you're familiar enough with that, the beginning of that song. Yeah. um, If I'm familiar with it. Well, uh, I don't want to hit you with a name. Like, I, I no, never know I, what the I, names of these songs are. I mean, but that one's an obvious one. Oh, this is the demo, but... Anyway, I feel like with the with the guitars sure. in the background and the drums just coming in before the vocals and the bass hit, uh, it sort of reminds me of that. Uh, and I thought that was worth noting. <laughs> um you're right. <laughs> I'm yawning. I'm trying not to it's yawn late. on the microphone. Um, so let's see. There's a couple other things I usually like to do. I like to go to Setlist FM. Setlist FM is uh, a website that sort of chronicles band set lists throughout the time. A lot of it is user generated. Some okay. bands tour managers are really good about um, updating it. Mm-hmm. But I like to talk about how many times an artist has played it. And I was kind of bummed to see that they stopped playing this in 2018. They only played it two times in 2018. Um, all in all, I they feel played like it. I always want them to play the songs <laughs> like this one. That, right. And they don't. Rack but here's me, the thing. <laughs> I could literally listen. Like, I mean, there's almost not a song. Like, I w- everyone, I'm going to get crucified for this. Oh. You guys can stop playing the middle. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get it. It's still a good like, time live. It is. It's a great time. It's funny. That's the thing is I, I mean. I won't say they're like my blank the, <laughs> right. or like the way, you know, I guess not to say that I love every single thing that they do, but I really do love a majority of it or like at least the majority yeah. of it. And so there's nothing you actively dislike. Yeah. There's I'm just never like, don't, don't play this song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's just like the obvious ones. Like very rarely am I like, you know what I want to hear? The yeah. Middle. Yeah. Um, but at some point I did and granted if it wasn't for that song, I don't, I mean, I'm sure I would have found them eventually, but yeah, it, it is a bummer though that they, we have seen them play this song several times, but it didn't mean that yeah, much to us yet. Unfortunately. Yeah. 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 I remember when we saw something corporate, um, reunite at bamboozle <laughs> left and I could not wait to get out of there yet. Now I'm like, oh, I can't believe I saw that show. But That was your bad. That was my bad. Um, cause I was stoked. <laughs> I was like, what is this song is so long. <laughs> you play Constantine. <laughs> oh um, God. I remember being like, is that the, is that Will? Is that the guitarist? And he wasn't there. So then I was like mad about that. I was like, oh, what? They couldn't bring Will back. He went to be like a lawyer. He's a lawyer and he's married to Elsie now. Um, it's funny that you mentioned though, like the therapeutic timber of Jim's voice because the second verse of this song, he really kind of kicks it into high gear. And I could imagine like seeing this live would be listening to him sing anything live. And now mind you, I feel like when I start talking about how much I love listening to Jim's voice, it starts to sound like, like I don't, well, no, I don't know. 
I don't know. This is weird. I don't know. I've never really talked about this, but like, it's not like I have a crush on Jim. I mean, I do, but I don't <laughs> like not in a weird way. Never talked about it in per, in uh, public before. We've had this conversation. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, all that's the thing is like, they all just seem like really cool dudes um, mm-hmm. who make like good music, have fun doing it. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man, Jim, especially listening to him live. Ugh. Yeah. Let's let's listen to it because there's some pro shot um, recordings of this. I'm gonna jump to about the second verse. This is when they played at iHeartRadio on January 13th, 2017, which was right around the corner from my office. And I think I just watched it live because I was like, oh, I can't get there and all that stuff. I'm gonna jump right here to where I think the second verse might be. Look at Robin back there rocking out. him with his like worker shirt <laughs> that's the shirt mm-hmm. I love his eyes oh my god <laughs> There it is. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how to describe what it is. Oh, wreck me, Jim. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's like you believe him. Yeah. That's the way that like I think about it sometimes. I'm yeah, like he really I really it. believe what he's like selling. Yeah, for sure. Oh man, what a good dude. <laughs> um so uh, let's let's do. Sometimes we'll do. We'll dive into the community. What the community's thoughts are on this. Okay. Um, here's something I got from Jake. Jake to Donnell. So wait, you put like a feeler out? No. Usually, what I'll do, I'll I'll see from, what people okay. are talking about. So I remember this guy, Jake to Don, Jake O'Donnell. Uh huh. He wrote this article all uh-huh. about Jimmy Eat World. Okay. Jimmy Eat World's 100 best songs, oh, and he okay. ranked them all, and he writes like a blurb about each song. It's really good. Essentially it's Jimmy pod in text form. If you want to skip this podcast, but I'll read from his article. (laughs) He ranks this. You are free at number 34 on his article. Okay. Um, uh, one of the very best things about integrity blues is the lack of filler. Typically Jimmy world records stack the best songs in the front half before finishing strong. That isn't the case with integrity blues, nor would I say it's the case with surviving upon these first listens. You are free is a true standout from an album with as many standouts with many such standouts a song like several come up that i can faithfully and truly say could have appeared on any jimmy world album lyrically jim has gotten more philosophical as the years have gone on as he the band and their fans have grown together and then he goes on to talk about lyrics we've already spoken about and he commends zach on his drums and he ends it with this this is one of those songs when it came out that made me feel so lucky to still be a fan of this great band after all these years i mean this dude really like sells it it might be worth reading through his entire article i mean which we am soon will by the time this podcast is over but uh for the readers (laughs) or for the listeners um uh, this is something I got from Pitchfork. Their album review talks about those same lyrics again. Amazing the emotional bridges, tunnels, roads, and ways we go around. 
what's one step from our face and pitchfork who has been in the past very critical of jimmy world but they're very they're known to be very critical of anything that is in the mainstream Um, this is what i don't like about this is why like i stay away from these things sometimes because it's so (laughs) personal to me i don't want like it, it mean that's just what music is it's so personal so you can't um it's subjective yeah right so you know you can't judge sure yeah, what totally. it means to someone or and sometimes like i mean you know you will remain nameless but uh through the course of my life music has always been very important period doesn't matter and i'm i i won't say that it's always quality but it doesn't matter the point is is i either want to listen to a song that makes me dance around the living room and you know my pjs or whatever or i need something deep or i need you know like guilty pleasures like whatever music no matter what um the quality level is 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 an important part of my life and um, it ranges. It's always been a pretty broad um, selection for me. Um, and I just think it should be fun. And sometimes people like to overanalyze and get super into details that while I you know. You like this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'm saying is like <laughs> for me sometimes it's just it's not that it's not that deep because I don't want to say it that way because again it it does hit and it has hit me at a very deeper level but it just sometimes I just don't think it needs to be dissected or and maybe that's just me like obviously right there's a million and a half podcasts about all these bands and all of these things and I'm just like no can we just listen to the record <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I don't know I, I'm really interested in it. No, I do think it's interesting and I think it's great. And I, in the end, like the fact that there are just other people who like the same music, I think it's always great to connect, right? Like this that way. on Reddit. I pulled this quote from Reddit. Uh, user to feel you invented posted a couple months ago to the Jimmy Eat World subreddit. Uh, favorite Jimmy Eat World lyrics of the decade. And they listed a bunch of Jimmy Eat World lyrics that are their favorites from this past decade. One of which is, honey, you're free as much as you can stand to be. You're free as uh, it's anything you think that means. And it's anything you think that means. That's one of my favorite yeah. lyrics. This is what's interesting about this person. And it this is the great thing about Jimmy Eat World's music is uh, everybody can. And Jim has a quote that I'll read in a second. Everybody can either roll, not even either. Jim almost prefers that people relate to music on their own terms, not do what we're doing and pick apart why he wrote what he wrote, which is not really what we're doing. We're more interested in why he wrote what he wrote and talking about our own personal experiences around it. Well, you and I talked about it. That was my, not fear, but that was my hesitation. Like, do I want to talk about what it means to me? Sure. Because I didn't know that that, necessarily was either interesting or important or or whatever but i don't know to me that is more interesting and more important and not that that doesn't matter i've always been curious i think in the end especially when something uh really stands out to me i'm like okay well let me actually see where this originated or how this originated it's yeah it's interesting it's interesting yeah especially like when the when i heard the lyric as if we 
uh, we've as if we paid enough. Um, I think we've paid enough. I think we've paid enough. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to know what that means. That what the impetus of that was mm-hmm. for him. Um, because I wish I could articulate myself in such a way. <laughs> right. Well, I think so. And I guess again, and maybe not coming to this podcast completely prepared or, um, but when you, that, that lyric, um, and it's anything you think that means it's one of my favorite because, and I think this goes back to what I really connect to his those lyrics, their music, his his lyrics, their music, whatever, however it's broken out, um, is that I feel like there's a real like encouragement to be okay with you mm-hmm. and yourself and who you are and how you are. It's very positive um, and not in a like vomitous type of way. Is that a word? <laughs> it is now. Um, you know, it's not overly cheerful. It's, it's, it's real like it, but it's, it's positive and, and it's not always that way. Um, in music. Yeah. This person, uh, had said, uh, this was again, to feel you invented on Reddit, uh, said that specific lyric as a social worker, I'm always a proponent of people being the expert in their own lives and experiences. So this song and this lyric in particular always makes me feel at peace in a way, which I thought was interesting because hearing so it is, it's interesting to hear somebody else's perspective on right. something like that. Um, uh, so yeah, there's that, uh, another one, um, on Reddit, usually they're looking for content and things to talk about. It's mm-hmm. just basically a forum where people can go um, to talk about their favorite band. This is all the Jimmy World people. So this one was Counting Down to Surviving Album Discussion Integrity Blues, posted by uh, Grow Live Trainer. Um, I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> <laughs> That's just their username on Reddit. Um This person says, Jim's best lyrics to date with a level of introspection and framing that's incredibly poignant. You Are Free, The End Is Beautiful, and Paul Roger (sighs) are the perfect example of this. I've already mentioned that as someone who has struggled with their sexuality for a long time, listening to You Are Free for the first time was overwhelming, especially the lines, amazing the effort we put in, amazing the emotional bridges, tunnels, roads, and ways we go around, and what's what's one step from our face. Um, It's... Just everybody, I wish I, I guess in two ways, I wish I'd grabbed onto the line sooner. I feel like adult having not, um, cause I just don't, I don't, I don't take in the lyrics in that way. Um, uh, but that's okay. again, yeah, like, part, music but is everybody so got that, everybody. how incredible that line was at the beginning. And I just didn't, that's just me being insecure. But when you figured it, no, it's not, I, I mean, no, I, I think you just, you literally said, you're just not big on lyrics. Right. Once you looked yeah. and listened or accepted the lyric, you understood it. And again, even if you didn't, it's fine. That may not have been what you took from it. Right. And that's cool. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking it now. Um, this person also calls out the drums, how incredible they are. Especially, he says, uh, before the chorus. Um And let's see, there was this quote, this is what I wanted to uh, go back to, which was about Jim talking about people's interpretations of songs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where did I get this quote? This was in Drowned in Sound, which is a, a music blog. 
Um, I come back to how much of himself Atkins puts into the songs. More personal than most, hearing a track like Hear You Me, Night Drive, Just Watch the Firework, or on the new record, You Are Free, his writing often feels like an unfiltered channel of sentiment. I asked Jim if he ever feels vulnerable of if he... Uh, this is weird syntax. If he ever feels vulnerable or being exposed to such a degree, he says, no, because I don't care what other people are going to take away from it. It doesn't matter. It's out of your control, he admits. Nothing that I say matters should matter. Think about any record of yours that is personal to you and why. No one's going to say this record means so much to me because this artist was having a bad day and wrote this song. It's more like this song means so much to me because of this thing that happened to me. That's the work done by the listener. That's the only way that anything means anything. What you bring to it yourself is what makes it special to you. So, again, I just like to hear it from Amen. <laughs> from Jim's voice that's my my uh impression of jim <laughs> did you like that <laughs> yeah no i mean he again he seems like a really level-headed guy and yeah it, it, not pushed like so we talked about it earlier you kind of believe him i mean i and we talked about this the oh, go ahead. <laughs> we talked about this um kind of in not show. press is- but in in whether or not i would come on or what i would do anyway we talked about how I don't die. The, this is the funny thing about like my liking of this band. It's literally that I love this band. I love listening to this band. If they are in town, I want to see this band. No questions asked. Like we have something going on. We're buying tickets. We're moving that other thing, yeah. you know, to a different date or whatever. Unless it's a festival show like Chain Fest that they're well, going to play, yeah. which has some great bands. But <laughs> I don't want to drive out to Irvine. Well, we just sort of talked about that's always a disappointment because if you go to a festival show for one one of your favorite bands, especially if they're not the actual headliner or co-headliner, then it's like you're disappointed because their set time is so much shorter than it would normally be. Anyway. Um, and they're not playing You Are Free. <laughs> right. <laughs> um what was I saying? Uh, sorry, you were saying you want to see the band anytime you can. We oh, drop so everything. We, yeah, but we had talked about this. Like, it, what's interesting enough, like, I don't, we're, and this is which is how we're different. I don't care to know all of the the details and the personal things, but I, like, I do believe Jim is married and has a family and, you know, the, the band themselves, they're all, I think they're all, like, Family men, if you will. Yeah, I actually um, don't know if Rick is married. That's a big question mark. But I believe Tom is. Tom and, is and, and Zach is. Anyway, all this to say that I don't know the details and I don't care to know the details, which is funny because you're like the polar opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> like you need to know. And I still feel like I don't know where I was going with this, but um Oh, this is where I was going with it. Hands. <laughs> Sorry. I've been this entire episode. Anytime you hear us laughing sort of out of nowhere or not knowing what's happening, I'm trying to stop her from tapping on the table. <laughs> I talk with my hands. I'm so sorry. Um, so this is where I was going with it. So when we talked about um, like believing Jim, if you will, mm. um, you know, over the course of years, he's talked about like heartache and not even hardships, but heartache specifically, or, um, and not that he didn't go through this at some point, but as far as I 
again, as far as I know, and this is a very like shallow statement because I've never really looked into it and I, I just have no idea. I assume he's happily married with a family and all this stuff. So it's like, how does he write like these like yeah. really gut-wrenching, like heartache-filled lyrics or sing them and you believe him. Like, I'm like, oh my right. God, poor Jim, somebody check on the man. Your like, hands. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, but you just, you just believe him. I'm writing Susie a note because I'm not going to say this on the podcast. <laughs> so I said the last part. Oh. Yeah, we don't know. Um, we're finding out. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's true. So anyway, here is Jim talking about, uh, this is the most I could find Jim talking about the song is he was on this podcast called the interview show. Um, and, uh, they played Jimmy Eat world songs throughout. So I was like, Oh, exciting. Like this came up when I searched for the song, he must say something about the song. He really just throws to it, but uh, he does say like, because it's a good way to go out or something like that, which, uh, I don't know. Let's hear what he says. A good way to Perfect. go out. Thanks guys. I appreciate you spending some time with me today is the end of the show. So you get the last selection radical. I'll pick a song called you are free just cause I think it's a great way to, uh, close things out here and escape this interview. Yes. <laughs> You are free. Oh, that's the joke I was going to make at the end of the podcast oh was I was going to say you were free. To we go. don't usually make a, an end of the show joke and we're not there yet, baby. Sorry. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I'm so sorry, you guys. <laughs> um, I have some uh, 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 other things. I think that's the problem is you guys don't edit the show. <laughs> no. Well, you know. I mean, I get it. I'm on the other side of that. I'd be like, what are you doing in there? And Here, you'd be like, I'm editing this This is show. one of my favorite things to do. This, this website is called ToonBat, and it gives me all sorts of information about the song that you wanted to know. That It's an A major. It's four minutes and 14 seconds long. The Camelot is 11B, and the BPM is 110. See, this is stuff that's just... And look, it's it's got a loudness of negative six. It's 45 happy... 52 danceability, 90 energy. No, no, just sometimes. Um, But I'm doing it now because (laughs) I don't want you to be free. Um, uh, But these are songs, recommendations for harmonic mixing. So if you're a DJ and you want to play this song up against some things, you can do it against Taking Back Sunday. I felt it too. Oh, Newfound Glory's uh, cover of Kiss Me. Uh, let's see. Uh, Boxcar Racer, there is. So wait, these are all like in the similar. These are in, yeah. See, Camelot is 11B. So it put it up against some 11Bs. What does this have some... to do with Jimmy Eat World? Oh, well, if you're a DJ and you want to mix it, I'll bet it goes up How against. How many DJs Look, the middle, do you think If it's right with the middle. You guys. <laughs> and then for, these are... for recommendations specifically. Yeah, these are non-harmonic recommendations. Don't mix it with these songs. Like. Uh, Tell Me How by Paramore, also produced by JMJ. Uh, Everything is All Right by Motion City Soundtrack. You know oh some of God. these songs. I do. <laughs> That's This is one of my favorite Irrelevant. websites to go to every now and again. <laughs> um, what else do I have here? Oh, uh, we also like to talk about, so on Reddit, they do a thing called Survivor, where you basically, they'll take an album and they say, here's all the songs for the album, vote for your least favorite song. And they basically get all the way to whatever the top song is. Mm-hmm. This made it to tied 
for fifth place. See, I guess that's interesting because like. <laughs> From the community. It's all the community people. Well, in talking about all this, because I'm not involved or I don't spend time doing any of this stuff. I don't know. I guess I just assumed. <laughs> no one else. No did. one else cares about this song or the band. No, or, there's I don't so know. many ridiculous metrics. So it scored. It tied for fifth place with Integrity Blues. Paul Roger won the song of the album. Oh. Everyone's uh, everybody on subreddit on the subreddit. <laughs> Susie toasted <laughs> to you. Can I have more wine? Is this going to go on a lot longer? No, I don't have much longer. Okay. No, you're you're. Oh, uh, <laughs> wait till I play a cover or something. Okay. I'll go get you some wine. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, uh, Paul Roger won uh, The Survivor. And then this was another one. You Are Free is the most underrated track on Integrity Blues. This was posted three months ago by Mr. Colty5. Uh, and this person says, I had a near full essay written down on why I love this song, but my app crashed, which is the worst feeling. Um uh, last night, and he goes on to talk about how much of a good song it is. But anyway, it's basically a whole thread of people talking about how much they love it. Except somebody says, Kevin, uh, Kevin Nartinez, that's kind of cool, says, okay, but through, so through, um, Kevin Nartinez thinks is maybe also criminally underrated. Um, so yeah, looking for covers, I didn't find many. So what I also like to do, and this is when I'm going to be able to go get you some wine. So you're going to I'm listen sorry, to Sorry, I'm trying not to oh. sneeze in the microphone. <laughs> um, so what I do is I go to a bunch of different places like SoundCloud, Bandcamp, YouTube, looking for people playing covers. Well, this person just has a song called You Are Free. <laughs> and I always like to hear like what other people oh like my God. <laughs> do. So this person <laughs> is Space Tech based out of London, UK. Um, electronic, hard trance, progressive trance, acid, techno, so London. So by not a lot, you meant none. No, I have two covers. Oh, okay. So, but so, I usually okay. like to follow, look for these types of things. So uh, I'll play a little bit of Space Tech's You Are Free while I go get you some wine. <laughs> Just bring the bottle here. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good idea. No, thank you. Oh, this is, you know what this sounds like? Like, dance music. No, remember after Loveline was finished and then K-Rock would go and start playing like weird stuff? Mm -hmm. It's like That's that, what it sounded what's that, like. um... Station that we put on the radio. Oh, the so dog. yeah. Um, uh, so in LA, there used to be a radio station <laughs> so called. Much. Well, I think it's still here. It's called K Earth One Hundred and One, and they used to be where you would go to listen to fifties, sixties um, type of old timey music. And then all of a sudden, old timey like oldies. They're well, called oldies, oldies. Sorry, yes, thank you. <laughs> um, where you would listen to oldies uh, and like golden oldies type of stuff. So like. Uh, the Supremes would be on there. The it's Beach range, Boys would be yeah. on there. Yeah, Buddy Holly. That's where you would find that stuff. And then they started playing like 80s music and 90s music all of a sudden. It's still called K-Earth 101, but it's Oh, no, not we're not that. talking about the same thing. So 
then recently your mom had found it, yeah. right? Yeah. A radio station that we leave on for the dogs when we leave <laughs> called K Surf. And it's an AM, I think it's AM twelve sixty. Yeah. Um, and they play essentially but it's so good. Yeah. It's a great radio station because they play like they play like forties through like seventies. Yeah, it's but yeah. then like we'll come home on a Friday night and they'll do something weird. It's, it's like disco Saturday, Friday, yeah, disco Friday, Saturday, Saturday nights, yeah. and then like uh, then like sometimes we'll leave the radio on at night and we'll come down at like three in the morning and they're doing like their like you know FCC mandated talk radio thing where they're talking about like parking uh what, what parking meters and stuff like that. Anyway, um, so K Surf. K-Surf, yeah. I think it's 1260 AM. It's a really good radio station if you're listening to terrestrial radio. So I didn't have many covers. Got it. The first is a vocal cover. I think he might have been being a little quiet because maybe he's got roommates or his parents are in the other room, but the guy's got a pretty interesting voice and I thought it was good. I thought we could give him a little, hey, no, that my link took me straight to the lyric video. Are we not going to see this guy? Let me go to it. Did you not preview this? Well, it's... Oh, there we go. What do you think also is the thing I don't like about this video? <laughs> that I've told you I don't like about videos sure what you don't like about it but my assumption is he's not being quiet i think he's trying like i think that's his way of i feel like he's not projecting like he's not coming from the diaphragm i am jealous of his bottle opener back here on his uh (laughs) on his counter his kitchen's very small though he doesn't have drawers either we don't have drawers in our kitchen (laughs) oh anyway it's the eye contact i don't like eye contact like I uh, we you don't like him looking directly in that. Yeah, I think got he's it. reading the lyrics. He's probably got an iMac, so like that that lens is right on top of the page where he's reading the lyrics. And this he also kind of looks like Jack so Antonoff. Interesting to me that somebody did this. Oh yeah, so that's like um, a whole like community of people. Like usually we'll stay away from things like this, or like there's like kids in their room playing along to the record. And then, but because of the age we live in, then they'll upload it. Correct. Yeah, because anything is uploadable. Yeah, he also kind of looks like Jack Antonoff. Um, no, 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 none of this matters. I don't think he's being. <laughs> I the don't listeners think... might care. No, they don't because they can't see him. <laughs> <laughs> I like his horn rim glass. Would you say those are horn rim? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, he. J- I just think that that's his vibe. Christopher Hellier. And I, I say that, hell yeah. <laughs> I think that's his him. vibe. But I don't really feel like he's being quiet. I just feel like that's just his thing. Maybe I'm like, maybe he's like limiting himself. I feel like he could open up. Yeah, but that's bit. like a personal. He is sitting down. Maybe if he stood up and got <laughs> let it out a little it's bit. It's like a personal note. I don't yeah. think that he was being quiet because he has a like. <laughs> he might have a roommate, but I don't know that that's why. Um, this uh, The last cover I have is from Aaron Ryder and Steve Kilman on SoundCloud. And I actually found Aaron Ryder on Twitter. So this is Twitter user Aeronosaurus. I want to say Aeronosaurus. Anyway. It's like a dinosaur. Yeah, exactly. Aaron Ryder and Steve Kilman. And I remember liking their cover a lot. So let's take a listen. Oh, they got the whole, like, fade-up look. You can see it in the waveform there. 
And they played it. The yes. other guy just used the... It sounds 90s. What does it sound like? Well, I would say it's more like late 80s. Oh, like I feel like I could see this in a, or hear this in a John Hughes movie. Mm. Maybe not. I don't know. It's not Jim. It's. I mean, that, I'm so sorry, That's everyone. That's but the hard part <laughs> is you're competing with your matches. I'm so sorry, Let's hear what everyone. They do over here near the end. Oh, they played the piano part, too. I like that little guitar part, too. It's just a good song. I'm really glad, like, again, I think about it as I don't... Like, I would never claim to, like, know music, and I very much enjoy it and feel it, but I just... I don't love picking it apart, and you know that about me, but it's nice to know that the people that I assume care about these things or know about these things feel the same way, if you will, as I do. Like, I'm like, there's some really great, solid songs on this record, and this is definitely one of them. Um, but it's like tr- I said, I just sit, sat here and went, well, I don't know if anyone else knows, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly that we are uh, letting people who want to know know more about it. Sure. So they don't have to go Googling about all this stuff. Sure. <laughs> um, I guess that sort of rounds up all of uh, my notes on the song. I found it more interesting, again, to the things that you pulled up about how people connected to the song. Because, again, in in theory, it's it's a relationship song, if you will. Um, but particularly that um, guy who you said uh, related to it from a, like, him dealing with his sexuality. Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting because, again, for me, it definitely did not speak to me because that's not a choice either, right? I mean, don't want to get too, like, correct whatever about everything. But it, it, still, it still meant a lot to us and still spoke to us in a way, um, even though some everyone else kind of it, – it, it spoke to them on a level of being able to make a choice. And I guess in, in, in a way you're still making a choice, right, even though – the circumstance was not chosen. Right. Right? I think that's true. Yes, that makes Well, sense. and then you had the social worker who said... Yeah. Uh, the, that, the, to took, me, is ...took away from it the personal accountability part of right. it, right? Yeah. Well, that's just more... That's that's the most interesting part to me is to see how it speaks and touches other people because I always... I don't know if somehow I'm strange when things, like, t- like hit a nerve... For me as much as they do and I mean you and I have talked about this a lot but that's just been like something we've always connected with is talking about music but so you feel vindicated having never never would have gone out looking for people's reaction to the song and now you see oh I mean, other people so are feeling vindicated. it I just find it interesting and I think that's I think it's great I guess right yeah yeah any other thoughts on final thoughts on you are free from integrity blues I guess not. It's no? just a good song. If That's how we sign off the show. I'm I'm showing Susie's because I didn't <laughs> go over it with her. So we're going to work our way to that. Okay. But we're not there yet. So you you were saying. No, it's just, yeah, it's a good song. And if for whatever reason you haven't really given it a listen or that album really in general. Because, um, yeah, uh, 
what's the next one? The the like that's the other one you and I talked about. The the end is beautiful. The end is beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. Very much about a relationship. And again, for me, spoke to me in a different way. Yeah. Anyway, listen to it if you haven't. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think everybody this weekend can go put on integrity blues. Maybe it'll be nice and cold. Maybe rainy where you are. Most importantly. Be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes! (laughs) All right, you are free. (laughs) Everybody, this is Charlie Viznik. We're just going to jump right into it. Hi, (laughs) everybody. We only work together, and this has taken like two... uh, We work maybe like as the crow flies, inches from each other. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah, I I can hear you through the wall. Yeah, Um, but but we've been busy. So uh, um, here we are. Uh, We're not going to talk as much about you with me uh, as Mm -hmm. we are going to talk about the show open music that we play at the beginning of every episode. And they probably just heard coming into this interview, actually. We usually use it as like transition music. So yeah, didn't you love what you heard right then? Oh, it was great. <laughs> I, I remember it clearly. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I wanted to talk a little, a, a lot of people probably don't know. I, I gave you this task like maybe a year ago when we sort of like yeah. came up with the idea of the thing. And I was like, oh, I'll pull all the videos for you because you're an artist who has devised a way. I'll explain it in my layman term sure. and then you can dis- describe the actual way right. of doing it. Um, you've devised a way to utilize your modular synthesis to call up clips that you feed into an app you created. Yeah. So I went out of my way and said, okay, I have a rudimentary understanding of what you do. I'm going to do this podcast, and I, I think it would be cool to somehow work that into what I'm doing. So I pulled all the Jimmy Eat World videos I could. Um, I think there were 17 videos yeah. or something. I uploaded them for you, and I was like, when you have time, uh, I'd love to see your take, your patch take on this. Mm-hmm. And like you had said, these clips didn't necessarily work as well as when you say do a scene from a movie because yeah. that's all part of a scene, uh, one song. Whereas this is a billion different keys over 25 years of music. Yeah. And there's also what I was saying was that there's uh, so many different instruments mixed together in one audio file that, <laughs> that, um, that, yeah, it's tougher to make them all randomize yeah. and blend, you know? Right. But what you ended up delivering was about 20 minutes of content, which yeah, is cool. I, and I've <laughs> since uploaded, oh, it will go live with this uh, uh-huh. podcast episode on our YouTube channel, the two patches that you gave me. So if oh, people cool. want to, in the background, like, watch it. And what's great is you delivered a video with it, so you can see... Your modular in the foreground. Mm-hmm. Your, am I referring to a curricular? Yeah. You, okay. Yeah. You see your synthesizer in the in the foreground with the patch cables and your hand coming in every now and again. Mm-hmm. In the background is the TV that's actually showing the showing clip the sound in the from clip. Yeah. where in that video it ha- it hits. Yeah. And some of my favorite parts are when you uh and I let's talk about your process well, when well, you yeah. pulled for this particular sure. project. In yeah. that video, I think what you see is uh, I'll be every two bars or something pressing the randomize button and the randomize button in this case, I think I did find some ranges of clips that randomized semi well. So I tried to find good ranges of clips that randomized well, but there was always going to be like, there was always in these particular clips, um, sections that might be like a sore thumb in the randomized, uh, <laughs> uh chop up or whatever it is. Um, but to explain the process is, um, uh, I'm not sure where to start, but what I do is I do pull a bunch of uh, little clips from movies or mostly movies, actually. Um, I'll go back farther. I I made an app like back in 2010 for a device called the Monome. 
And because I had seen a YouTube mashup by this DJ, I guess at the time, his name was Cootie Man. And he did all these YouTube mashups where he took a bunch of people playing their instruments in uh, on YouTube and then made these really amazing songs by editing them together. And uh, the really cool thing about it, I thought, was that all these people don't even know each other. And yet they're making this amazing song together. And I thought, oh, you know, like there's all these people doing these amazing finger drumming jam sessions with the MPC and I was getting into the monome and the monome is kind of like this blank canvas of buttons that you decide how it works. And you, I, at the time you use a software called Max MSP. So I was, I learned Max MSP by making this particular software. And what I was trying to create was like an MPC version uh, with video clips where you get to see the uh, video element, but really it's about like enabling pattern recorders and, and being really good at finger drumming. And I'm not that good at finger drumming. And so uh, and nothing really came about of it. You know, I made a demo video and not many people adopted it because I think it was kind of uh, not so easy to get all of it. You have to be really into this kind of thing. And, and, and it's probably not so easy to get sort of yourself set up for it. And then, um, you know, years passed by. I had a modular synth. I, I kind of got into modular synths through a friend, also through like soft synths in the early days. And, um, and I, not too long ago, I, I bought a modular. I, I had it back in 2005, but, uh, I built it up, sold a bunch of modules and then many years passed. And then not to maybe about two years ago, I kind of started buying modules again and getting back into it. And there was a module that I bought by Monom, uh, coincidentally, which is also a blank canvas kind of module that you program. And I realized, oh man, like if I get a, a CV to MIDI converter, which basically converts control voltages from the modular and converts it into MIDI notes. If I could get one of those modules, I could instantly be uh, amazing at sequencing the video clips that I had pulled many years ago. And so uh, that's kind of was the connecting the two together. And, and I've been over the past two years developing my teletype, which is the module. It's called the teletype, developing my process uh, and it's been on Instagram. I've been showing it off on Instagram. Like once I realized that, that the, the Instagram was kind of a cool spot for this kind of content that, uh, I kind of, yeah, I've just been developing it and I've performed it live now and, and I've kind of gotten it down to a, I mean, I'm actually on right now going through a new phase, uh, and developing a new kind of extra layer of performative, uh, you know, aspect to it that I'm still kind of getting good at i'm not so good at it yet but um but yeah that's basically it and i pull clips i i randomize the clips with the modular or I use the control voltage from the modular to sequence or randomize the clips and then i use the modular also to create accompaniment like add baseline add um a lead line or whatever it depends on the I clips because yeah. some clips are like i said are like jimmy Eat world where they have like drum and bass all in one clip or like like Willy Wonka, it's just like the little twinkly sounds. So right, twinkly yeah. sounds mix in really easily, yeah. and randomizing them is more musical. But it's fun to also kind of pull clips from a movie, and you don't know what it's going to sound like. And I can I can do that now really quickly, where I just pull clips and then randomize, and I find ranges of clips that randomize well, so that it can be kind of improvisational, but also you know. Um, so I can, yeah, I can be come up with a melody. Yeah, I could, I could that, choose yeah. one or the other. Yeah. How many clips do you usually pull f 
for like a project where you're like, all right, I think I'm at a good like 24. I don't know. It depends on the movie. But like, yeah, my application can really only trigger 92 clips at any particular time. And I sounds like a lot, but that's not maybe a lot. Like, like depends on the movie, like Baby Driver. I pulled a bunch of clips from and. Life Aquatica, like even just the the escape from Ping Island in Life Aquatic, uh-huh. I pulled like three hundred clips <laughs> from that. But I, when I do, when I have to perform them or when I have to do a performance, I need to like sift it down to which clips work well yeah. together. Now, uh, you usually are pulling clips based on the beat of the music or a sound effect in the feature. Do you ever pull clips based on the visuals alone, or do you ever like, uh, yeah, because you yeah, want to show something more than you want to. He- you obviously need to hear it because it's an audio medium. Yeah, it's more important the sound, the sound, how well it blends. But it's there is room for experimentation, and I have kind of um, like I'll I'll do sometimes patches where it feels like the video is just hurting my eyes. Like it's like <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't look good, you know. Right, and yeah. like sometimes um, I've come to the but but it sometimes it can be interesting too. Uh, so it's just kind of, uh, yeah, I've kind of gotten to gauge a little bit of what is visually cool. Like I'll have, like, for example, I did the shining recently and I knew before I pulled clips, I was like the part with the, um, blood coming out. It's like this one long shot and just seeing, I knew visually that was going to be really cool. Jump cut. Just to see the jump cuts of the blood coming through the hallway. Yeah. And then I imagine like with this one, it's a long, long, long patch. And this isn't necessarily indicative of your work. I think everybody, we tag you a bunch on Instagram. Your work is more clean than necessarily some parts of this patch where there's actually an edit right before the end of your clip. So it almost yeah. looks like an extra jump cut or something. Um, um, I just, uh, uh, it depends. I definitely try to make it sound good. Uh, but, uh, but I, uh, you know, sometimes I'll just experiment yeah. and, and if well, I find something interesting, I'll, I'll, I'll share it on Instagram. Yeah. And then you had made a note on the, at least the file name that you sent over that this was 92 BPM. And maybe if something were faster, you would, you'd run less of a risk of seeing a jump cut. Or, right. Or, yeah. Or, that's often what happens is like, if, if I, if the material I'm working with, it has fast cuts already, yeah. then that little like single frame at the end of that might, might mess up the visual. I don't think too hard about it though. Yeah. All right. And then um, coming into this, you weren't all that familiar with Jimmy World, right? No, I didn't. No, I well, I knew them. And I remember when they came out. I remember, you know, around the time that they came out. And uh, I was kind of not interested in the pop punk kind of yeah. music that was at the time. Um, I wasn't a huge Blink-182 fan. I know you're a huge <laughs> Blink-182 fan. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, like, I knew them. And I, and I, when I pulled clips, I definitely gained, like, a respect for their music. I remember you saying, so you're like, hey, I kind of like this band. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, I get it, I get it. Because, yeah. like, uh, they're, they're very emotional, and their music is definitely focused on, you know, the emotions of it. And, uh, and so, yeah, and I kind of... Uh, you know, that I, yeah, I just, uh, there's a few songs I was like, I actually, this is a pretty rad song. This has got a pretty great little moment here and that yeah. kind of stuff. Do you remember about how many clips you pulled for this? Uh... I tried to keep it mellow, like, because there's 17 different music videos. I did pull, I tried to keep it down to like 12 clips per, and I try and I really just stuck to the intros for yeah, the most yeah, part. Yeah, yeah. Like, if one song was had, there was maybe a couple songs where I was like, oh, in here, there's... There's some moments without lyrics. I tried to stay away from lyrics. Sure, yeah. And I let me see if I can scrub to it real quick. The clip we ended up using, I think this might be it. Let's see. It's definitely around this section because... 
this there's this bit of a praise chorus in there that we ended up using for the show open and it includes oh you know what i ended up doing is i took your bit and i knew that it was from a praise chorus which is which is one mm-hmm. of the songs that they did and i think maybe all the clips i think i gave you two different bpms you did, too yeah so it's very possible it's in the other video but um this is the slower one yeah Those this are mostly the same sounds, song, right? Yeah, this sounds a lot like. <laughs> I think in that in that zone is where we pulled the clip because we basically let it play in the background and we we're like, okay, I think these maybe somewhere in these mm-hmm. three spots and we narrowed it down to the one and then I was like, okay, this goes into a praise chorus. So what I did is I took it and I threw it into Premiere and I actually put the four count into a praise chorus mm-hmm. ahead of it and then it goes into your thing for like a measure. And then I put a ring out at the end of it. Um, yeah, yeah. And it actually came out really cool. Yeah. But I think no one knows until I started teasing it last week that actually all of the music that we use uh, is Jimmy World's music, just in a weird right presentation. It's, it's very short. It's yeah, like yeah, you yeah. Know, so a little. So yeah, I was thinking like what we should do is like maybe every twenty episodes change up what that find measure is yeah find a different yeah, section or something it might be worth me jumping in and throwing the clips in again and finding some oh yeah some that would ones. be cool it, too. you could just not randomize because like those are all completely random yeah but and i also have 20 minutes of content to work, work through and i listened to them both all the way through the other day and there's so many cool moments like there's one where um you put a drum roll from zach and you can see J- zach drumming on it so it almost feels like organic like they're playing it that way because uh-huh. you can see him playing with it and i was like Oh, that would be a really cool bit. I should use that if we do change the thing. Tough for a podcast. But I mean, we only use like a measure of it. You know <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, something like that. But anyway, yeah. Well, cool. I appreciate you doing that. And I appreciate you jumping into the Jimmy World land with yeah, us. Yeah, no worries. And then I made you listen to You Are Free. Yes, um, I did. Which uh, which has like kind of like a shoegazy intro to it. I was trying to think like, oh, is there anything in this... Um, that could be linked to modular synthesizers. I'm sure the producer, his name's Justin Meldel Johnson. He's uh-huh. a bass player. He's played with Nine Inch Nails. Oh, cool. He just played with Elton John at the Grammy or at the Oscars. This past. He's like very prolific in terms of the music industry. And I'm mm-hmm. sure I'm shortchanging his, his career credits. and his credits, but he's been producing records a lot lately. And a lot of what he brings, like he did that M83 record that blew up really oh, big like that. 10 years ago. So he did that and he's very big into the electronic thing. So I was like, oh, maybe there's a JMJ like connection, but there's not much in here except for the piano synth that plays. Yeah. Well, I liked the song better than the Firestarter cover. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> you were maybe going to do last week's episode and I was like, oh, listen to this one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I liked it better. And I thought it was actually not a bad song. Um, yeah, I like that. I did. Was there any connection to the space? Because the, the music video that I saw was all space. Yeah, right. Is there some no, kind of and I tried to look up. I mentioned it on the main version of the podcast, but I tried to look up like, is this Apollo 11 footage? Is it Apollo? Like, is it one per- particular missions footage? Or yeah, what? and if and lyrically, I like, is it, are they talking about? No, so at, what we looked up is that Jim mentions in uh, that it had a lot to do with his coming to terms with uh, alcoholism and his, hmm. the, his quote, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing cause I mentioned it in the main show is that uh, you know, it takes 10 minutes to convince yourself 
to do the easiest thing and take one step over that line of being uncomfortable and coming to terms with something mm-hmm. and admitting to yourself uh, that maybe what you're doing is wrong or maybe you need to change your course. So for him personally, he talks about how it was coming to terms with alcoholism and determining that he needed to stop drinking mm-hmm. and that lyrically. But again, that almost says like, what does that have to do with the visuals of space travel and stuff like that? And Yeah, well, I mean, I guess I understand the whole you are free and somebody out in space. Right. And, yeah. 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 And it, that, that visually and, you know, works and stuff. But and the other thing yeah, we explore just, on the podcast is that everything that's Jim's personal connection to it. Mm-hmm. But we mentioned somebody who has um, struggled with their sexuality and this song spoke to them and somebody who's a social worker oh, and it yeah. spoke to them as a social worker working with people as uh as a point of view for them and uh even i susie was my co-host on this episode and she personally helped her deal with a um a a loss in her life that she needed to get over so everybody sort of sees it as as a similar thing a similar way of getting to a different end goal and that's what i think kind of where i realized that jimmy world is the kind of music that they write is kind of music for people that are going through things i mean it's the kind of music that people um can you know get that kind of feeling connect to yeah 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 not like nine inch nails where you might get a different feeling right yeah (laughs) but it's a good euphoric feeling but yeah yeah no like it's pretty yeah i love nine inch nails and uh but uh yeah maybe think of roxanne i wonder how many people have been helped by roxanne probably not that many people (laughs) you're talking about roxanne a nine inch nail song i mean no i mean in in regards to don't you don't have to put on the red light oh okay yeah 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 okay i I did i was (laughs) gonna say how many people that have like i mean like yeah i don't have plenty of people maybe in in paris or something like moulin rouge area so um, all right well cool well thank you for being on i'm glad yeah, we finally no got to do it and uh that's the interview bye thank you